Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. This week in particular, there is zero BS allowed, and that's because my guest is Demi Colleen, aka the beauty influence of the year at the recent Blogosphere Awards here in the UK. For me, Demi is beyond anything that you might assume of an influencer in the traditional sense. Yes, she can instantly get people purchasing a product based on her nod of approval, but she's also someone who makes brands accountable and isn't afraid to speak out. Since launching her blog in 2017, Demi has carved out her own niche and given inspiration and advice to many in the process. In this episode, I find out what started Demi on her journey into beauty content And she shares the details of her ongoing argument with Boots, which is a major beauty chain in the UK. I don't know about you, but Boots has been a fixture in my life since I was a teenager. So honestly, what Demi shares sickens me, and I hope they answer her call to action. I won't share too much here, I'll let Demi tell you. But suffice to say, she is still waiting for real change from the high street name. As such, we discuss the trauma and shame that often comes with simply wanting to buy products that are made with black people and people of colour in mind, and why brands must listen and bring about lasting change. I find out what made Demi quit her studying, she had hoped to become a solicitor, and we discuss the bravery that is required when it's time to quit something. Of course, we also discuss skincare, and why messing up your skin barriers seems to be a rite of passage when you work in beauty. Honestly, this was one of those episodes that made me want to reach out and hug my guest. Of course, I couldn't because we did the interview by Zoom, but I hope you'll feel the warmth and authenticity in this chat. Be sure to check out Demi at Demi Colleen on Instagram and feel free to tag me at Beauty Me Podcast when you're listening. I hope you love it. First of all, Demi, please talk me through your morning routine. I have to know what you do from the minute you wake up. Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing I do is have a shower and I always make sure that the water is not too hot, which is really hard because I actually adore like scalding hot showers. Um, But obviously hot water is not great for the for the face. So after that, I will um, leave my skin damp and then I will start my skincare routine, starting with something really hydrating. Um, I tend to keep the routine quite straightforward in the mornings, normally because I'm running out of time, but also just because I don't like to overload my face. So I just focus on moisturizing um, and obviously SPF. Um, and then, I know you're a big fan of SPF. I sure too. am. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> which one I want to use in the morning. There's so many to choose from. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I tend to keep makeup really to a minimum. Um mostly because at work in the clinic, I have to wear a mask all day. So I prefer to have not too much on my face. Um, so I just keep my my makeup routine really simple. Um, I just tend to go for a really sort of dewy um, primer and then a little bit of concealer and just leave it at that. Um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward routine in terms of um, what I do, which probably might sound a little bit surprising, I suppose, with all the products that I have. But um, No, but I think when you are someone that use gets sent a lot you can use a lot and just like you've been talking very recently about over exfoliation mm-hmm. like you can do so much and then you realize no the key is keep it minimal and kind of topical to like what you need at that moment or in that season precisely um, yeah. it's easy to get very overwhelmed and want to use many things at once but ultimately i find that my skin tolerates uh, a simple routine better um nighttime obviously I might get a little bit more 
uh, creative and start using all sorts of, you know, uh, exfoliants. But in the morning, just, yeah, especially with all the sort of pollution in the air, like you just don't want to be like clogging up your skin and just putting too yeah. much. So what products are you enjoying right now when it comes to that simple skincare? Um, so let's think. So I am really loving um, a hyaluronic acid from PSA. Um, I find that a lot of the sort of cheaper hyaluronic acids out on the market are not a great texture or consistency. Um, mm -hmm. They can leave your skin quite tacky. So I really go for the ones that are kind of more liquidy. Um, I find they absorb better. So this one's, yeah, one of the best ones that I've used. Um, and I've actually been surprised by um, ELF. They have, uh, I know they're quite known for their makeup, but they've also got a skincare range and yeah. uh, a particular one called Holy Hydration. Um, and they're really cheap. So I don't know, maybe it was just me being a little bit of a, yeah. a skincare snob, but I just, I didn't know what to expect, but they have pleasantly surprised me. Their eye cream and moisturizer and cleanser are one of the best products I've ever used. Um, okay. So I've been having all of those in my routine for the past uh, sort of couple of months. Yeah. And I've just started using a new one from a brand that I don't think is particularly well known. I think they're called Holy Frog and uh, it's called like a dewy antioxidant um, serum. And mm -hmm. it's kind of helping give you that sort of glass skin uh, look, which I know a lot of people are trying to go for. And that's been really nice as well. So those are the few that I've been reaching for the most. And what about your SPF? Because um, I love how, I think, was it yesterday or the day before, you were like, yes, it's dark outside, put your SPF on, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> what sure. are you loving? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I tend to reach for either the Super Goop Play or the Carbon Theory or the SOS um, Serum SPF the most. Um, okay. With the overexfoliation um, that I've been experiencing, I've just been wanting to keep it to the most sort of nourishing and thickest um, with all the sort of added things, you know, like the yeah. hyaluronic acid or antioxidants just to help repair my skin. Um, there are some others that I like too more in the summer, but these ones are perfect for the winter. But your skin is looking amazing. So have you made it through the, the over-exfoliation period? Just about, yeah, just about. I mean, I also um, have eczema. So um, I think there was like a combination of both. It started off with that and I didn't really catch it in time and I was still exfoliating. Mm. So it just turned into like this horrible, rashy, uh, red and stingy sort of affair. Um, it was just really, really nasty. Even the products that I love, you know, some of them were really like hurting me when I was putting them on. So I was just having to like really strip it back to sort of cleanse and moisturize. Um, but yeah, I think I've just about made it through. So thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that feeling. I think I went through it. Maybe when I first started the podcast, I was just, because I've always had acne prone. So you've got your eczema, but I've always had like acne prone, like hormonal. So all this area. And, you know, I was like, I finally learned you do need to exfoliate to you know, get rid of the dead skin, especially when you have spots, it can make the texture even worse. So I just did, I fell for the line on, um, you know, the BHA Paula's Choice 2%. Yes. Use it twice a day, every day. No. <laughs> Not if you it's still nice. have skin. <laughs> but it says it, on the, it says it on the bottle. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, 
then I would put, you know, the most simple moisturizer on, like CeraVe, and I'd be like, ow, ow, mm-hmm. like this stinging sensation. I was like, I've done that thing. I've ruined my skin barrier. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, you have to go all the way back. Yeah. Um, but still wear SPF. And for me, SPF can be a real trigger when I have sensitive areas, right. depending on the type. We have to learn. We do. Simple. <laughs> one of those sort of hurdles you have to get over. You have to learn the hard way and yeah. not have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me about, you know, right now you are the, in the UK, you are the beauty influencer of the year. But I want to know where that all started. Like, when was your first inkling that beauty was this thing? And was it a skin thing? Was it makeup? Was it hair? Um, I think for me, it's always been a combination of skin and hair, Um, hair primarily because um, obviously just growing up, um, you know, in this in this country, you know, from the second you're able to sort of start purchasing your products by yourself and maybe walking into Boots or Superdrug or something like that and seeing your hair products kind of like be put in a different section, it kind of. really made me focus on maybe segregation is like a bit of a harsh word but like I suppose the separation of like my hair type versus Mm -hmm. what's considered the norm or uh, better or something like that Um, and I think you know that feeling that I had as a teenager really sort of just stuck with me uh, when I started writing the blog and I I really wanted to focus on the lack of diversity um, in beauty, regardless of whether that was hair or skin. Um, And also with, I mean, I was never a massive fake makeup wearer, but I was definitely cautious um, of uh, when you would go in and you would see that the makeup shades were just sort of limited to the sort of white and beige. And then anybody Mm -hmm. that was darker, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like, no, we don't carry that. And um, it was like, I suppose beauty for me was always more of a, it was kind of like a negative thing. I suppose I didn't find joy in it. And I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to sort of carve my own space where I could develop my knowledge and skills and share that um, with other people of colour um, and, and black people. And then it just sort of spiralled, I suppose, because then I started talking about race as a sort of general thing. Um, and I think that's where it kind of, got my following um, up because people realized that it isn't just straightforward like you know enjoying beauty like it's deeper than that um, and it can mean so much more to marginalized um, communities because it's it's something to connect about but equally there's a lot of trauma associated with it as yeah. well yeah let's if we could just go back a little bit Demi because obviously not everyone will be seeing you right now so just talk a little bit about obviously your cultural heritage because you mentioned about products I I know what you mean instantly when products are for black textured curly afro hair they are often and I I think I first noticed it when I was on holiday um, in the states um, security tags and glass uh, plastic cases and you have to ask to Mm -hmm. pick up a product of curl cream yeah whereas everybody else everybody that's white or has straight hair, not curly hair, or uh, texture of any kind, mm. just freely come and go. So yeah. I know that's what you're talking about, but just um, let the people listening know, like your background and, and what kind of hair you have. 
Yeah, so um, I am mixed race uh, Jamaican and Irish. And um, in terms of my hair texture, I don't really know. It kind of has various different ones, but it is quite... Um, it looks like mine, actually. Yeah, it's quite... It's like curly, but soft, but tight. It's a mix. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of fluff in there, but equally it can be tough when it wants to be. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, very much Afro. I, I don't have, um, you know, loose curls or anything like that. So all the products that I've used, um, you know, I remember my mum, we would always go to the, the black hair shop and, you know, various different products that we would use and, and try. But then obviously I got to an age where I was like, I want to do it myself. And <laughs> I, it was weird actually now thinking about it. I think I found some sort of um, shame in having to go to a special place for my products, uh, which is ridiculous now I think about it, but, you know, can't rationalise teenage thinking. Um, You know, when my, I had a group of white friends and they were able to just sort of all go to Superdrug or Boots and I wanted to do the same thing, but then you'd get there and, as you said, you'd have to go to a completely different section, ask for certain products, and it just became a bit of an embarrassing, um, shameful experience. And then I just moved to always buying online. Um, I knew that, that that I needed to be part of making that change and making that different. I didn't want, you know, my niece or my kids in the future to have to experience the same thing. Like, why should we be ashamed of uh, what our skin tone is or how our hair is different, um, especially when so many white people are trying to achieve <laughs> it in a, in a superficial yeah. and artificial way, you know? Yeah, it's really just lately it's just getting ridiculous I remember the other day I tried on a filter um that um a lot of white girls have been using and I'm pale you know I'm mixed race like you Jamaican but with English I'm I'm pale so I tried this filter on and it made me five shades darker and I was just like what are you trying to achieve like what why are we trying to achieve this and it's funny the difference even between America America and the UK because I recently spoke about you know Jessie Nelson's video how she looks darker than Nicki Minaj and somebody really made me think she was like no it's a given in the UK tanning is a it's a huge thing I think more so than perhaps in the states um where they have warmer climates so people may just naturally tan there anyway but in the UK so many white women it is all about that tan, just as much as getting your nails done, getting your hair done. The tan is a prerequisite. Um, it's sickening that we had to go through this stuff, like going to Boots and wanting to buy makeup with your, fr- you know, as a mixed race girl, my school, I think there was like one black girl in my year and me. So my friends would be white and I would go, to, like you said, to Boots and Superdrug and I would want to wear the foundation and it would look like chalk. It would look grey. And like you say, you start to feel like almost like you might as well disappear. And it's, it's at, at the time, there's nobody that you can even really talk to about it because even now when you bring those things up, um, you know, I've had a lot of abuse uh, in via my emails and blog and stuff like that when I've talked about the lack of foundation shades or whatever and just been told well okay well maybe they you know they just don't sell as well so they're not going to carry all of those products and stuff and I'm like but black women are the biggest spenders on beauty so that literally makes no and hair 
and hair. Wow. So, you know, it's it's a choice. It's an absolutely, it's a choice for these brands to exclude. You know, I've spoken to a lot of people since the boots uh, issue that I had um, a couple of months ago. Um, and you start to understand that in the background behind the closed doors, the conversations that go on about who they're targeting and who they want to buy their products. So it's not just an accident. It's not, oh, they, they don't sell. They specifically exclude those shades because they don't want to sell them it's as simple as that yeah you can look at somebody's instagram and you know at the height of black lives matter last june uh, yeah people started you know turning onto a little bit especially the ones that were realized well we can make more money if we market to black and black and brown women but there's also those ones that were like no we, we couldn't care less going to carry on doing what we do so you I 100% agree with you that it is a choice you only have to go through if you can't be bothered to show diversity in an image you're not really thinking about those people when it comes to the manufacturing side or coming up with the formulations years in advance Mm. um I did want to ask you actually Demi if you don't mind sharing with the listeners this whole the boots story because from time to time I've seen snippets of it on your Instagram but I would love if you wouldn't mind like sharing it with us yeah sure so a couple of months ago I went to my local boot store or one of them um as a last minute trip because I just ran out of some hair product and I urgently needed some and I don't go to this particular branch very often so um you know I didn't know what to expect but when I walked in there went to the hair product section Uh, I noticed that the shelves were quite bare in terms of the offerings for black hair products. And when I got closer, the ones that were on the shelf were not actual products. They were sort of dummy bottles or, uh, you know, cartons. Basically, they were empty and they had a sticker on there saying that I had to take it to the till. On the other side of the shelving where they had all the products marketed towards, you know, white people, white hair, straight hair, uh, completely in abundance, stocked from front to back, no issue. You could just pick them up and go and pay for them. Because I desperately needed it, I did that. I took the product that I needed, well, the the dummy box uh, to the till, and uh, I had to wait there until the lady had gone upstairs to fetch it for me from a locked cabinet and bring it back to me whilst everyone around me was able to um, just you know make their purchases as normal and I went around the rest of the store just to see what else was locked up and there really wasn't much the only other things I could see that had the same sort of sticker and dummy products were some of the more expensive baby milks Um, But you were able to buy razor blades, absolutely no problem. Um, They had a security tag, which was just removed at the till, but you could just take it off the shelf. And uh, actually, razor blades are one of the most lifted products in these uh, shops. So, you know, they clearly think that black hair products are um, more likely to be stolen. So I posted this on social media. And it got to the uh, attention of Boots at their head office. And um, they gave me a copy and paste <laughs> reply that they take diversity very, very seriously. And, um, you know, they would never discriminate. And they leave it up to the store managers to make a decision on what they want to label based on what they think 
uh, might be stolen. Uh, no proof is actually needed. Um, no statistics or anything wow. like that. They were also not able to offer me any statistics to prove that those products are stolen more frequently. Um, they gave the same replies to everyone that basically messaged them, emailed them. I was actually working with a brand at the time who um, is kind of owned by Boots. Um, so Boots is owned by, I think, Walgreens and then um they also own this other brand so they're slightly different branches but they are associated and they tried to put me in touch with boots um because apparently a few weeks later boots realized that they made a mistake you see and um <laughs> to this day they have never uh organized a meeting they've never reached out to me personally and um they have seen all my messages when i bring it up since and uh yeah never reply and I think and nothing's I, changed in the store. Nothing's changed. I went back a few weeks later after that. And um, yeah, it's still the same. So, yeah. <laughs> I have never heard of a dummy. Product. I know, it's funny you mentioned razors because razors are often the annoying thing because you have to take it's actually a card and you have to take yeah. some till and they have to collect the razor. And, you know, you can understand this could be harmful. Mm. I've never seen a dummy black hair product. So, I'm just like, whose decision? Forget the store manager. Somebody made the decision to make some dummy black hair products because they don't trust the clientele. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, the, there's another boot store not too far, maybe 10, 15 minutes away if that, where that isn't the case. Um, you are able to just get the products off the shelf. So mm. whilst it's not a you know nationwide store issue, mm. um, you know, the fact that there's no training involved or no care taken to make sure that discrimination isn't occurring in their stores is really uh, scary, to be honest. Mm. Um, and once I posted about this on social media, I got a lot of people who are current and ex-Boots um, employees who told me a bit more about the environment um, of Boots. And um, it seems that racism is a huge issue huge issue with boots and I mean you look at the the board directors and as typical with most of these companies I can imagine right and um yeah but of course you know they've got a uh you know ambiguous flag in their um <laughs> Instagram picture for Black History Month because you know they oh so I haven't even seen it I need to check it out <laughs> um shame on boots and I will share this as a snippet and tag them and do what I can yeah because it, it's not going away just because they've chosen to ignore it no no um, for sure and I, I've definitely made it a point that you know as as annoyed some people might get that I keep harping on about it but ultimately I want to keep this um you know in in people's minds because yeah. whilst that issue's happened and been and gone uh, the issue is still there and the way that they conduct themselves in the store and the way that they handle with all the products, it, that's still happening. Um, mm. And now I will never set foot in that store, but it also makes me feel like Boots as a whole uh, doesn't really want me and, and people like me as a customer. And yeah. how is that acceptable? And also for all the white people that, you know, want to do up allyship and say, oh yeah, I support, but you know, You'll still shop there. You'll still um, work with them, all the influencers, you know, no issue, you know. But you were in my DMs telling me how awful it was. It, was, it wasn't so awful when you were collecting a paycheck, though, was it? So, you know, I will mm. not stop going on about it because mm. 
there's more than one person needs to be held accountable for this. It's, it's a collective um, effort. It's not just that I should be making the effort and, and going on about it and, and making myself upset. Um, we should all be angry about this issue, all of us. It's, it's funny because um, last year, one of the brands that I noticed that didn't do anything to raise awareness um, around Black Lives Mattering in the UK, um, it's a brand that I'd always thought about buying into. The founder is someone that's founded many amazing businesses. She's like an entrepreneur dream. Like she's someone you can look up to. And I was absolutely disgusted. People started sending me um, screenshots that during that time, they did nothing about that. They literally sell, sell, sell business as usual, selling products, just got this in for you. And when people would comment, and these were people, some of them had done content for them without being paid for it, just because they loved the brand, like they genuinely loved it. And they were like, we really would like if you could you know, in the most polite way, because often you, when you're not white, you need to really think about how you say it so it doesn't come across a certain way. And they were like, we would really like you to address this. And the founder took herself into the, into the comments saying, basically, I don't know what you want. And she, she even wrote, can't please these people. And she did a shrug emoji which later was deleted, but I have the screenshot somewhere. And I was like, I will never buy from you. And what is really annoying me right now is now that brand, all their ads, I'm seeing dark-skinned women, black women, brown women. I'm like, and part of me is like, I want to tell them. Mm. But at the same time, I don't want to mess with their paycheck. I'm literally, that brand is scum. Like, you yeah. should not go near them. But yeah. you, maybe you didn't know. Yeah. Or maybe you knew and you don't care, which is yeah. obviously worse. But I'm I'm sick of it because we keep them going. <laughs> we spend, you know, we haven't stopped spending. The pandemic did not stop anybody spending. No. Um, so we deserve more care and attention and respect. It's it's I don't know. It's like everyone needs to be outed. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've all that was when I started my blog, um, that was, that was, I guess, what I was more known for. Anybody mm. can get it, you know? Um, <laughs> I didn't care because I didn't have the following. I didn't have any of the sort of responsibilities. I could do what I wanted. Um, and I try and maintain that. I've obviously learned a bit more professionalism, but um, mm. ultimately I don't have an issue with not only outing the the brands, but the people working with them and the PR companies and everything. Um it's not a matter of cancel culture. I'm not trying to get them canceled. I'm not trying yeah. to create a sort of angry mob. They, these brands only know when you kind of hit them in the pocket. That's the only time they'll ever care. And um, if they really want to change, then they will work with me or other, you know, people that are more concerned with this this type of um, issue and and well trained in it. Then they will work with these people to to make it better, uh, fix what they did. Um, but when they choose silence, it says everything. So why do I care about being respectful um, to these people or whether they lose a paycheck? Ultimately, it's, it's like it's always a choice, always a choice. You don't have to accept to work with them. You don't have to accept to, 
to be you know endorse them or anything like that mm. um no you're right everyone needs to be outed <laughs> <laughs> so tell me with that in mind you recently how long ago was it that you won beauty influencer of the year I guess a couple of months ago now I'm not, yeah a couple of months I think <laughs> was that ever something you wanted honestly it's not even something I ever considered um no, I don't. I, obviously, I'm glad, but yeah, nothing <laughs> I even considered. I, I never in my wildest dreams when I um, started doing my blog did I think I'd be like an award winning blogger. It wasn't even something that was like in my eyeline. Um, I have uh, a friend, Stephanie Yeboa, who actually won um, Influencer of the Year or, or something like that um, a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, what an achievement. Like, oh, maybe maybe one day. But, like, you know, it wasn't something I ever, like, seriously considered. Not something I thought would happen, you know, only two years later. Um, no, wild. <laughs> but what does it mean to you? Because, obviously, influencer is still quite a new term, I feel. Um, does it make you now feel more responsible because everything you put out is potentially influencing someone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially in the past year, I have, like, after seeing sort of the effects of my recommendation, you know, like, you you say you love something, and next thing you know, like, so many people have bought it. It's a very strange concept, and it's a weird power to have. Mm. And I'm, I do try to be very mindful about not only what I've, promote but ultimately that was you know I've always had integrity like I always I I would never promote anything that I didn't love Mm -hmm. Uh, but also just like levels of consumption I'm very much aware that I get a lot of stuff for free Um, and as much as those PR companies and brands would love for me to share every single thing but you know it's it's not necessary and it's it's not right to kind of act like I need all of these things Um, so yeah and especially since winning the award I guess it's kind of given me a whole other level of validation and responsibility um just because also like behind the scenes things are really sort of taking off and there'll be like some huge steps that I'm taking in in the near future so um yeah no definitely it's it's made me want to sort of be more mindful about how I curate my content and and how I sort of interact with my audience for sure I wanted to ask you actually because you mentioned earlier what's your what's your day job you mentioned you have to wear a mask at the clinic yeah I'm a veterinary nurse so I think there was a recent post I think before we'd finally firmed up chatting you talked about quitting was it your studies um so you have you know full-time job I'm guessing studies and obviously your content creation side yeah. of things and I just loved how honest you were that you'd I think you use the word quitting or to quit and it's often always seen as a negative um, or that you're getting rid of something that was negative, perhaps. Um, like you definitely seem to have this very grounded, mindful approach to things. And I wanted to know, how do you maintain that? Because you do work in, you know, the beautiful things, you know, beauty, content creation, making beautiful things, being surrounded by beauty, but, how do you maintain this level of you still know who you are and enough to know, you know what, I need to quit this. I know I committed to it, but I can't do it. 
Yeah. Um, I think having the background of that full-time job, I mean, I've been doing veterinary nursing for nine years now and that was all I'd known. And, you know, I'd had a lot of hard times uh, throughout it in terms of when I was studying for that. And even prior to that, I um, I was actually going to go to uni to study something completely different. And I messed up one of my exams. And I think that kind of gave me my first taste of, you know, things just sort of like not working out. I had these huge plans and it was like, well, that's just too bad. Like, I yeah, I could go back and redo it, whatever. But I think I just had to sort of accept that it is what it is. And um, maybe my passions lie elsewhere. And obviously, in hindsight, it was amazing because I wasn't suited for what I was going to do. And I think, you know, it's never easy to say no and it's never easy to quit because for various reasons, you feel like you've let yourself down, you're letting other people down. And that's really hard to get over, even when you consider yourself to be selfish which is also another word that I don't necessarily consider to be negative because I think Mm. we should all be selfish uh when when it's appropriate um I don't know I suppose when I when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm trying to be honest with myself about my situation and I think I have to think about not only does it not serve me in the present but is it serving me in the future you know why do I see this going because if it's causing me this much stress and anguish and pain now, um, then how am I supposed to have this long term? And the first thing I quit was was my study. So I was studying law, um, which I loved and I was really excited about. But that was when my blog really started sort of taking off. And I had to say, well, I can't do both. I really can't. And everybody, you know, was patting me on the back for how amazing I was for balancing all of these things and I felt awful like I was a fraud because I was like I'm crumbling (laughs) I'm literally coming home and I'm crying I I can't sleep I'm stressed and you know I'm miserable um and then it's just like well that's just no way to live I suppose in some sort of like weird dreamy way I'm always like well you literally only get one life um we're Mm. on a floating rock and you've just got to do what makes you happy and nothing is uh permanent everything is temporary so you just have to just do what you want it's 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 hard to sort of explain the mindset I think also having a lot of support around you is really important because I was able to sort of bounce off Mm. my ideas and having people who are really honest with you um my boyfriend you know obviously he saw most of it in terms of how upset I was and in some ways just it's not like he forced me but it was just kind of like he really made me look at what I was doing and what I wanted you know Uh, did they match up and what I wanted was peace (laughs) I wanted freedom and I wasn't going to get that by all the hours I was doing studying um, and the further studying that was required to get me to what I thought I wanted and it was just a matter of making sure your goals align and it really doesn't matter what other people expect of you. It doesn't, not at all. Maybe people may think that they've got expectations of you, whether that's your parents, your lecturers, whatever, but you only answer to yourself. And how did you feel once you made that decision? Once I'd sent that email to let them know that I was 
quitting and I wasn't going to be coming back. It was, I know it sounds really cliche, but it really was like a weight off my shoulders. Um, I felt like this tightness that I had in my chest just instantly like kind of disperse. Um, yeah, it was just an instant relief. And I knew right then that it was the right thing because I was like, if, 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 if this was the wrong decision, I'd feel regret. And I didn't feel any regret. I felt great. Um, and I felt excited for the first time um, about the future and the things that I did actually want to do. So for a little while, I kind of mourned it because, you know, years ago, I had these sort of plans of what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a solicitor. But ultimately, I feel like that's not what I'm here to do. Um, I wanted to make change, but I think I, I'm, I'm here to make change in other ways. And even though I don't quite understand why people um <laughs> like me or drawn to me they are for some reason and um maybe it's because I'm I've always been just very much myself I'm no filter whatsoever um I just have to kind of use those assets I suppose and and yeah. hope that it works so yeah well that's that that's obviously your gift and I feel like you being a solicitor Obviously, you have other gifts. You'd probably make an amazing solicitor. But um, I just know what you mean when you said that feeling when you you know it's the right thing. And your your body would have told you if it was the wrong thing instantly. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. Does that mean you've got like, can you tell me anything about future goals or? Um, some of it still, <laughs> uh, I guess, under wraps. But in terms of, I mean, as I said, I, I quit my job um just because also I've had some issues with my cat and her health I am staying on part-time but in terms of my content creation um it is going to be taken a lot more seriously and I will have more of a team behind me uh in this so that's probably as much as I can say right now but um yeah no it's 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 gonna be a proper proper job um so yeah I'm excited and excited for all the people that are going to be helping me with um my next next moves I love that good for you um so we're coming up to the final questions um first of all I would love to know when do you feel your most you like the best version of you I think I feel the most me when, you know, it's a hard one. I suppose when I'm at my most relaxed, I think, you know, when you feel like super content, it's a hard feeling to explain. It's not about your chore list being ticked off or anything like that. It's just like this inner sort of peace, almost like I feel nothing, but, um, and it tends to happen most, I suppose, when I don't know like I'm at home and I just get to do nothing it's just like I have no desire to do anything you know I don't need anything to distract me I don't need um to talk to anybody I suppose I've always been quite good with my own company um and I know that when I'm stressed or anything like that I'll seek distractions um to sort of take my mind off it and I suppose when I don't need to do any of that I know that I'm you know feeling myself and 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 normal so unfortunately it's a bit of a rare 
<laughs> rare occurrence because I'm always busy. But yeah, yeah, I'd say that's when I feel the most me um, and, and the most content for sure. I've been asking all of my recent guests about burnout, actually. And you just mentioned mm-hmm. there about stress. And um, obviously, you're someone that has until very recently been doing the studying and the work and the content. Have you had your moments of burnout? 100%. Yeah, for sure. Um, throughout that period when I was balancing all three, um, I it's like you can feel it coming, but you ignore it. Um, you're just like, oh, I'm just a bit tired and whatever. And then it just gets to a point where you actually have zero interest in anything, like anything at all. Don't want to talk to anybody, didn't care about content creation, couldn't care less about what happened with my Instagram or anything like that. I just did not care. Um, and I would just sort of stay in bed um, for hours and hours and hours on end. Um, and obviously I was recently diagnosed with um, depression as well as anxiety. So I think that's played a part, but I think it was definitely exacerbated by um, these other factors, um, you know, in terms of what I was putting on my plate. And um, yeah, I think it's just something that's not really taken seriously because I think people almost celebrate burnout. Like they celebrate the hard work as if like you are supposed to be. Haven't slept in days. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm just like, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to get you anywhere. No, I'm not going to pat you on the back for, for, you know, pushing yourself beyond your, your means. Um, and I've definitely been guilty of it. Like, you know, I'm not being successful unless I'm like absolutely exhausted, but I've, I've sort of turned it into a different thing where like I always say that rest is actually productive because rest gives you the fuel that you need to do things so you have to make sure you make time for for rest um it's it's something that I've I've been embracing a bit more especially with taking the studying and also trying to reduce my hours at work um not feeling guilty about resting yeah it's really important but you said earlier you know when you're feeling that way you just end up you know staying in bed how do you go from the staying in bed part to thinking let me do something to make myself feel better so you kind of get closer to being the other side of the burnout yeah um I suppose I just take it really slowly and really gently um I always start off with doing something for myself whether that's just you know a little bit of pampering um I know it's like quite a sort of fickle version of self-care but I think when you have stayed in bed and you feel a bit like grim and crusty (laughs) Um, yeah yeah you know showering and and doing a little skincare routine really it really does change my sort of mindset I feel like almost like you're washing off that sort of um feeling and I, I think it's really important also that um I focus on my space my environment um I work really hard to make sure the room here where I do most of my work is um not just comforting but also allows for productivity so you know I always have my camera and everything out so that I'm like ready to do work and it kind of encourages me to to start doing it when I put these things away it's kind of out of my mind which in some ways is good but I think when you really need to get back into doing stuff you you just have to have it kind of looking at you Mm. um so yeah it's just little things and I suppose I really enjoy the process of coming up with ideas so I love to sit and write and research what I want to do um small steps just small small steps no pressure um and then before I know it I'm kind of back in the saddle and I'm just realized that 
the break I needed and um, it's helped me sort of be more creative. But yeah, just never press yourself. The guilt won't get you anywhere. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast and feel free to slide into the DMs. Do please like, subscribe and review. It really helps Beauty Me be seen.